of the keys for exceptional relationships. And this is a conversation we've been looking forward to since the outset. So, mm. um, and it builds so beautifully on the first two keys of intention and devotion. Yeah, yeah it really, really does. I do think that we have this habit though of like, oh, this is the one. This is the one we were so looking forward to the most talking about. <laughs> every single time, every single YTT classroom, I know that that I go into, and I think you probably do too. You're like, this is my favorite topic. You know, it's like, you know, it re always reminds me of um, the comparison of dog, the, the diary of the dog versus the diary of the cat. And nope. this is my favorite. This is like, oh yeah, and this is my favorite. <laughs> this is my favorite activity. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. totally. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk today about the key of play, the key of joy, the key um, bringing in that element into relationship, all different types of relationship, of course. We try to hit the major ones that we encounter in life when we talk about these subjects and um, I, th I think this is probably one of the easiest ones to, to infuse into every single for like formation or formula that a relationship takes place is the key of play. You know, and I would say yes and no, oh. because first, first, yeah, first and foremost, I, oh, I, for me anyway, in, in my, in my thinking, in my trajectory, my experience, it first starts with how fun are you to be with you? It starts with the individual, right? Um, uh, are, are we, do you experience yourself? Is it, is, is it enjoyable for you to be with you? Such that fun and play, the experience of your lightness of being isn't dependent on another person, right? Of course, we, we play off of one another's energies and we draw one another's, you know, joy out, especially, you know, great, great relationships do that. Yet, is it a friendly environment internally? Is it an enjoyable environment internally when you're just there with you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I uh, like play and imagination and pretend and, um, you know, creativity coming out in that way is, for me, almost second nature. Like it's easy, it's easeful for me to step into play. Uh, and sometimes I do forget that like, that's not true. That's not true for everyone. There's, there's a lot of things that um, draw our attention away that perceivably can be put higher on a priority list than playing. Um, and not to say that I don't get swept up in that because I certainly do. Uh, you all know that I think at this point that Matt and I play a lot of board games together. It's something that we do and can and have done, you know, since the onset of our relationship. And there have been definitely times in life where um, I didn't have, I was so overwhelmed with other things that were going on that I just didn't have the energy I thought to devote time to playing. And, and, and I would be able to notice things and say things like, mm, yeah, we haven't played a game in a week. You know, and which is a long time for us. <laughs> um, and and to recognize that seriousness 
taking life very seriously, taking myself very seriously had settled in and I had stepped out of that energy of play. I think that, um, you know, in, in our, in our mission here for Yoga Farm Ithaca, one of the afflictions that our that our mission and vision is is connected to is to is to helping to alleviate the causes of unnecessary suffering, and one of them is extreme seriousness in our culture. Right? It doesn't mean um, there, there's a there's a there's a difference between embodying the childlike essence versus embodying a childish essence. <laughs> There's, that's not what we're talking about. And, and our true nature has a, at its, at its core has a, has a childlike quality. What are those qualities, right? They're present, curious, wonder, there's astonishment, there's awe, there's, there's gratefulness, there's just a, a, a humility. There are all of these virtues and qualities and keys that weave itself through all our other curriculum. Yeah. Um, are what allow students and individuals to start to relax that seriousness, that, that forward-driven productivity-only um, mental state uh, that, that is really predominant in our Western culture. And much of, uh, you know, you, you see, it's so, one of the most gorgeous outcomes, right, of, of working with uh, so many students is seeing that lightness of being rekindled and come back fine. And when, when we bring that to our relationships, and it doesn't mean all we have to be like all of a sudden the, like a, a, a one person circus, you know, <laughs> like there's, there's playfulness in asking curious questions of our family members without attachment to the outcome or without a motive. There's, there's really uh, presence has a playful quality to it too. It's, 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 it's beautiful and seriousness. You can see it. I remember when my son, you know, I've shared this before when my son was at elementary school, I would ask him, how do you know who to ask for help at school? Who do you, how do you know, what are you looking for to determine who to ask him? help of. He said, I look for the person who's, who's smiling the most, who looks the most, whose eyes look the warmest. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're attuned to this, mm -hmm. to this light being. And that for me is the heart of what play is. And seriousness is the effect of being disconnected from our, our natural state, which is lighthearted. It's just lighthearted and we can go through challenge. We can go through squeezes and not be disconnected from that, from our awareness of it. It doesn't mean we're like being inauthentic or, you know, laughing when something is terrifying yet. We're not set. We don't experience completely being separate from it. That are, are so. Yeah. I, um, you know, I think about this with, uh, when I think back now, um, thinking back on the years that the kids were in like middle school and high school when they were spanning, there was always this element of, um, you know, 
productivity or uh, commitments and over scheduling, like so much scheduling of so many things and, and realizing that like, you know, wait a second, like if we're going to spend a whole weekend on a ball field at a tournament, like there's going to be play involved in all of that for everyone, even, you know, not just the person who happens to be playing that sport. Um, and, and it has to be about like the end of that weekend, feeling that lightness of being and feeling that energy of like, wow, it was really lovely to spend time outside and, and to all be together and have a picnic at the end of the day or, you know, whatever it was, because without that, it was like, go to this practice, pack up the car, make sure we have all the things. Did you bring your homework? You have to do your homework when we're in the car or when we're, you know, watching your sister play. It just got so stifled in, and, and so full of what, you know, we can easily perceive as more important than, you know, let's just kind of put everything down and enjoy the fact that, um, these moments are so fleeting, you know, like it, they go so fast and, and it can seem arduous and like work, particularly when we're not inviting play into the scenario. And then you look back and it's like, just like that, it's over. Yeah. Like, you know. I, I, you know, I, I know you've heard this phrase. Um, it's not, we, we don't necessarily remember the things people do. We remember what it feels like to be around them. And um, I know for myself, there are things that when I do in advance, free me up to be in the, the, the clean conduit of my lightness of being, right? So I always got up a few hours before my kiddos. If they got up typically at seven, I got up at five. We had to be out the door 7.30, I got up at 4.30 so that I could have I, lunches were prepared, clothes were out. I, I took care of my needs so that I had the best shot of bringing just a, a lightheartedness and presence and connecting with their eyes and laughter, just with the simple things. Like that's what our kiddos remember about us. Do we have that serious face? You wanna know how serious you are? tune into your face throughout the day. Your state, our vibration is always reflected in our expression. Literally, that can always be your solicit. So it's such a great exercise to take a week-long baseline of, seri of your own seriousness. And I still have places where I can get pulled into seriousness. So that's always my work. And, I'm, and, I, and I keep on the lookout for that. And what is in, what's my internal barrier? that I've allowed myself to get serious in this moment or, you know, and you can feel it. You can feel it in your Whoa, recording. <laughs> Yay. What? It, was it was before when I came on, it said recording. So, so it must've just bumped off. And then it said it wasn't. And yeah, anyway, ignore that. Ignore that. <laughs> So, um, so friends, one of the exercises we'd invite you to, to tune into this week is to, is to just observe yourself. Where do you effortlessly feel lightness of being? Where is it easeful and natural? No work whatsoever. And then notice the times that you, you experience feeling very serious, right? You're going to notice there's sensations to seriousness, whether it's a contraction. I, I just go to the, the 
tuning into what my face is doing. <laughs> it's all there. Body language. Um, stepping back a little more aerial, I love the description of life as the play of consciousness, right? There's the word play right in it. And my mom had that phrase that I, I have drilled into me, which was so wonderful. She would always say, for God's sake, Danny, have fun. Enjoyment is what we're here to, is what we're here to experience. Enjoy. It's such a beautiful alliteration in to be in joy and to be of service and to help others have the same access to freedom of enjoyment that we do. We find ourselves in a position of enjoyment advantage. You move heaven and earth to make sure that others have that too and that barriers are dismantled that prevent that. Uh, so people in the chat are asking how, how do we become less serious? Uh, and we love questions, friends. So keep um, popping them in the chat if they come to you, no pressure. Uh, and if they do, if you're like, but wait a second, like this isn't that simple for me. Um, you know, inviting in play. I love when, and there's a few scenarios in my life where teachers or mentors have, have suggested to me that I remind myself of what I used to do as a child for play to enjoy things and to begin there because there was a kernel of something there. There was something like so innately connected to your soul. Okay, so here's an example. When I do that, I think instantly about being, oh gosh, maybe seven. And uh, I had a playhouse behind my grandmother's house that looked like a log cabin. So what do you do when you have a playhouse that looks like a log cabin? Well, you put on old fashioned dresses and you pretend that you're in Little House on the Prairie and you make grass soup and you make dandelion juice and you make tacos out of skunk cabbage leaves and you know, you, you pretend play. Um, where does that translate <laughs> as an adult? Well, honestly, it translates to, um, you know, the, the family, all of us and our children uh, getting dressed up and going to rent fairs. And, and even in the pandemic, when we couldn't do that, they were canceled. We had one in our backyard, you know, very simple. You like turn on a Spotify playlist, put on some clothes, prance around in the backyard, pick some flowers. Like it doesn't have to be a super complicated thing. And, and so that's a good, I think that that's a great place to start it, to tap into your natural instincts around play is what did you used to do for play? You know, what did, what were those activities and hobbies that lit you up as a little child? We just, we, we like let them float on by or think that they're trivial and childlike and they're so connected to our essence. And our passion and our enthusiasm is connected to that lightheartedness. I love, um, you know, it's impossible for you and I to have, to have conversations like this and to listen to our students describe where they naturally find play because I nine, the nine style, the, 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 the joyful realm of the nine is in pretend, right? Like it's just, it's so beautiful for me. Like that's, I, I have an appreciation for that. And that isn't my access to it. For me, 
access is that is that quality of of sheer wonder of and awe is always and awareness that no moment can ever be the same again and then i'll have a final exhale so for me as the four in me is profoundly freed up to be in the state of play as i live the embodiment and the awareness that this is all temporal changing a fantastic shared dream in the play of consciousness and what an honor it is to get to explore with curiosity like that those so for me awareness of certain things is my doorway to uh feeling connected to 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 play in wonder yeah yeah and i think it's important to mention you know specifically that like each type uh, we touched on Ayurveda last week. Each Enneagram type is going to have a different invitation, a different way, a different um, thing that hooks them back into less seriousness yeah. and more play. And the same thing can be said about, you know, the elements about coming back into balance in your Ayurvedic constitution. And, um, you know, when we think about like, lightheartedness. I mean, just, you hear that and, and it sounds, it sounds like inviting in more air, more lightness, more, you know, just uplifted creativity, um, spontaneity. So if, if play seems sticky or, um, really disconnected from you, it might be worth looking into like how much air is present, how much Vata energy is present in you naturally. And then what can you do? to invite that in, you know, um, mm. it, it's like, I just think of like, you know, bring a scene into your mind on a playground where you were just so light and, and full of, of easy joy and laughter and a swing instantly comes to mind for me. It's, totally. It's that, that was just lots of, wee! <laughs> wee! Um, and you know, we both do the wee thing wee! because Vata has such a huge impact on our ability to like, to go with that flow. Releasing the seriousness also has to do with letting go uh, to a degree and, um, and just letting, letting creativity move you, letting something else move you and trusting where that movement might go. Uh, it's very Vata, it's very air and space uh, energy. And, and of mm. course there are ways to play within each element. And just a, as a starting off point, particularly if you're new to Ayurveda, I would look at like, ooh, plain seriousness. Um, you know, this is gonna take a little bit for me to work through it. And I would look at how much earth you have um, in in your body, in your elements, kind of that heaviness. And on the, and to speak to the mental body, how that relates to it, again, you want to find what thoughts do we have? And I, in my listening of many, many students over the years, there's usually a should underneath something. This, we, we have to, we should listen to your language. The, the seriousness language sounds like, come on, we need to, we have to, we should stop you know you, you shouldn't you, like, like that language has a vibration so you want to start to 
pay attention to, to um, the way you're perceiving and describing the moment and pay attention to your complaints. The more serious someone is, the more complaints they have. And typically our, our unnecessary suffering when we're, we're oftentimes we're unaware of the litany of complaints that are running that inner dialogue. So you want to start to bring them into the conscious light of awareness so you can start to unpack them, question them, deal with them because they will always be barriers to one's connection of lightness of being. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one thing to like go out kayaking and be like, Oh, now I'm feeling the lightness of being. And can you also still maintain that? What's the bridge between that and getting the kids in the car to get them to school in the morning? How do you bring that? Maybe not the same full degree of it. And yet just having an awareness of, okay, what is it costing me? I love the question of what is something costing me to not deal with it? What is seriousness costing me in my life? What is it costing with myself? What is it costing me in my relationship with my children? What is it costing me in my partnership? Um, what is it costing me in my friendships? And what does it look like and sound like? And how does it affect other people? That's also can be a hard conversation to have in here. And I, again, I'd, I'd rather hear like what the, what the effect of my seriousness is in this relationship or in these instances or in these scenes. Like for many parents, it's getting the kids up and onto the bus or up and out to school yep. is a real tricky uh, time of like, wow, if I could just make that a pleasant experience, I'd have the day made in the shade. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, highly motivating is to look at what is the cost of something if I don't, if I don't tend to myself and turn it around and shift it. Yeah, it, it just keep, it will just keep going back to that, those thoughts and the inner dialogue. And, you know, and, and I think it's important to mention too, we started this a little bit with talking about Enneagram types and and how different people might engage in lightness or might engage in play um, and, and kind of release that seriousness. I think like we have to remember that everyone uh, perceives and interacts with enjoyment in different ways, you know? Uh, do, like Matt is a one. Matt loves, like loves to organize all of the books in our house. He will take them all down off of the shelves, reorganize them by subject matter, author, whole thing. He will take out the board games and not to play them. And yes, um, and enjoyment for him is organizing all the parts in the board game box, you know? And would that be enjoyment for me? No. And when we're in relationship with people, we get to just like we can find joy in other people's joy, even if that's not how we would source the joy ourselves. You know, that's that um, appreciative joy or sympathetic joy as it's called in the radiant abodes. Um, we just, we want to be aware of it. It's not like, oh my God, why are you doing this thing? Like, you know, come outside and hang out in the hammock with me. Well, that might not be enjoyment for them. And you can still ask for what you want. It's just recognizing that, how we define these things might be very different. I love, I love what you just said. It's really about um, 
celebrating where you see you anytime we see someone have experience enthusiasm by where they're focusing their energy their attention and their energy we want to we want to just like even if it's not something like you said we get or is would be our style lean in lean in to celebrate it um and 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 be on the lookout be vigilant to notice where you see people's enthusiasm mm. yeah because that's they're feeling like Oh, you, oh, we lost you for a moment. You froze. You froze, Daniela. Is it better now? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I was thinking yeah. about, you know, I have quite a few friends who are either in the four category or the two on the Enneagram. I've got a lot of those. Um, and and so can, can completely see how, you know, your explanation of how a four would engage in play might be of course, different than a nine. And I think about twos and, um, you know, when twos are, are healthy and in balanced and, and really wanting to like, just be appreciated in that loving, caring role that they naturally take on something as simple as like planning. They, they do love this part, like planning an activity to do with a friend even before the activity itself happens, can feel like enjoyment to a two um, and can feel like enjoyment to an eight that's in their growth point of a two. So this is like, you know, we're just kind of like dipping our toes in Enneagram stuff. And so those of you who are watching that know, you know, enough to know um, what your Enneagram type is or you're starting to kind of peel back these layers. Uh, this is something that's really worth getting into in the context of relationship. But at the minimal, you know, know how your partner, your children, your coworker, your best friend likes to be in enjoyment um, and be familiar with that. It's, it goes right back to what we were saying about love languages last week. Mm -hmm. What do you think threes want to do for enjoyment? <laughs> threes have well, like shit to do okay <laughs> yes um okay so of the threes I know you know Christopher of course being primary three that I know really well um they love adventure they love they like threes and sevens can oftentimes type really similarly because they both have that big energy that love of that love of big fun and um, so, so for so for Christopher, there's there's always an element of play and enjoyment. Well, for his growth point, of course, enjoyment evolves for the three from the all about oneself to the team, mm -hmm. right? From enjoyment from my success to our success. Um, but the, the threes I know, just that big energy, be getting to be unleashed and like, they're like, they're like uh, big kids in a big, in a sandbox. Yeah. Um, so, so, so that's just like, they like to play hard and, and like rough and tumble and uh, change of scene. They love change. Mm -hmm. um, not a fan of, of routine uh, so much. So yeah, that's, that's the, that's the, 
play and the, the lightness of being that I, I see in the threes that I know. Yeah, I would say so too. Thing, things to do with being outside too and, and kind of being in an in a environment change from like the, wherever the places that they do their work so that they can step out of that goal-oriented mindset and just be with whatever kind of happens as it flows. Um, so maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be outside literally and outside of their you know typical work type of environment. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I also have like some other four friends and my, I have a couple of four friends that like for them, it's really just about connection and, um, and having like deep, interesting, not superficial conversations. So if we can sit and have, um, you know, a, a, a very non-linear uh, conversation about something that interests them or something that makes them feel inspired, uh, that that sparks enjoyment too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and you're all, those of you who are watching and who know what your Enneagram type is, you probably know what you enjoy, at least to a degree. You know, what are some access points to, to enjoyment and um, and that lightness feeling, uh, I can think of fives who love museums, who love, uh, you know, going on like a scavenger hunt, something that is going to like use their brain in a really active way. Right. So if I was going to, if I was going to plan like, all right, we're just, we're just going to go play. That might be pretty uncomfortable for a five if you present in, let's do laughter yoga. That's not going to work for a five. That's not going to be their jam. Not at all. No, like, no. Let's, let's do laughter yoga followed by ecstatic dance. Not a five's thing typically. No, no. <laughs> but you say to your five instead, your five brother, that you want to do something for their birthday. Like they don't they don't want to go to a comedy show. They don't want that. Like that's doesn't interest them. What might interest them is like, Hey, let's like solve a mystery. Let's get a mystery. You know, those like how to host a murder who done it kind of things. Figure something out together. Oh, you know where I, I just went in my brain to the Shit's Creek episode where, um, uh, Alexis oh, is in yes. that, uh, literally where she's like okay this this clue this clue solving the clues like to to get out of the you know to get the key you you and Matt have done one of those like escape rooms those places in yes escape room yes yes I would think that would be fun Mm -hmm. totally absolutely Mm -hmm. (laughs) um yeah figuring out how to uh like a puzzle to solve you know, and it doesn't have to be necessarily like an escape room type of puzzle or a whodunit type of puzzle. It can be like literally <laughs> how to put together this puzzle. So, uh, so just thinking about that. And I think sometimes fives get a little bit of like a bad rap in the, like they can't, they're so serious all the time, or they're thinking they're cerebral all the time. True. And again, like that might not be your access point to enjoyment. And when we're in relationship, we get to be present to what other people's access points are for enjoyment. And that doesn't mean that you always like, you know, surrender to what they want to do, like also advocate for what brings you enjoyment. And in the context of partnership, 
it's this beautiful dance that you get to do and you learn so much. And um, I, I just, I can't think of anything that feels so good in like literally in my chest, in my body, in my heart, than when Matt is like excited about something or, you know, just like lit up and enjoy. It doesn't, so I'm like, I'll do whatever. You want to go to a Yankees game? I don't give a shit about sports ball and I'll go just to watch your face the whole time. Like it's amazing. And same thing with, with our children and our best friends. I love, I love ones. I love when ones are in their seven, their growth point. They're like, when they're laughing, like my son is, you know, my son, my eldest, he's a one. And when he's, that's why he likes D and D and he's, um, he just, just seeing a one laughing and enjoy is so amazing. It really, really is. It, it changes the whole energy field around them. I mean, in this, and this is true, right? About all of us, we step into enjoyment and out of seriousness and our energy field changes Our, you know, you feel different to be around. Yeah. You feel different for yourself to be around yourself. You're like, oh, I, this is great. I love this part of me right now. This feels so good. Um, yeah. And I, and I love this conversation because I think when it comes in the context of talking about relationship, even we can teeter on too much seriousness, you know, like we, we can just move over into that. Like, are we compatible? Do we want the same things? All wonderful conversations to have, of course. And I think like, uh, maybe it's just me. I'm, I'm happy to be corrected and wrong on this, but certainly the majority of relationship books that I have read or picked up in my life. It's like, how are we fixing a thing? Um, You know, rather than focusing any amount of chapters and time on like where you invested in each other's enjoyment. Mm. And, and in, and in my world, and I know, I know it's the same for you. If you don't make enjoyment and an enjoyment, of course, connects to the earlier keys of intention. What is your intention together? What is your personal and your shared intention? What is your soul vow, the soul vow of your partnership? If you don't make it a very high priority, life and adulting and bills and mortgages and car insurance, all of that stuff and forgetting, and again, this connects to key number two of devotion, to not only one another, but first and foremost to yourself, nourishing yourself, tending to your vehicle on all all of your own layers. When we start to let all of those slide, our vibration gets lower, our energy changes, we're more fatigued, we're more impatient, we're crabbier, we feel less at home in our body, our self-talk becomes more negative. It's a spiral that it takes something sometimes quite significant to wake you up to. This is not going to remedy itself on its own. And I don't, I, that language isn't ideal as if there's something broken and needs fixing. Yet you can see, you just look around, walk around in the world. And, and I'm not even talking about whether people are wearing masks or not. You can see the way people carry themselves. You can see that 
aliveness in the eyes or that resignation. And you start going down that slope of resignation within yourself and or in your relationships, that is not a shift that turns itself around on its own. It takes something then to apply some conscious intent and will to do something about it. Really, really do something about it. And when you start to get, sometimes it's a, it's one of the greatest blessings. Um, I had a client who had terminal cancer at the time she started working with me. It was, she didn't, wasn't being considered terminal and, and it, and it was, and we did, uh, we did the, the quest program together and she and her sister did it together. They'd get their daily email every day and they did the, the quest program and it was the most alive she had ever experienced being alive. So you don't want friends, you don't want a 911 <laughs> mm-hmm. to snap awake into the, both the awareness of the preciousness of this life and that you're entrusted to be you in the relationships that you are and you're a radical contributor. I had another client, I'm never forget the day, it was so gorgeous. He said, it just dawned on me that every room I go into my house, how I'm being determines how it goes. <laughs> like when you talk when, with the Parker Palmer, right? When you teach to the teachers, I am the decisive factor. Friends, be that powerful, be that responsible for the quality of your relationship with yourself and the level of, of, of enjoyment you have in all of your relationships. Be, be fully responsible for it. Be this determining factor. Now that doesn't mean it's your job to make everybody laugh and lighthearted. Right. Yet, yet take responsibility for your own vibration, for your, for your own stuff, because a resigned ship is very hard to turn around on its own. And a resigned relationship is very hard to turn around on its own without some conscious intent. And it's completely possible. I, you and I both know so many individuals, so many couples, so many families, uh, many students that participate in the YTT, their experience with themselves and their own lightness of being ripples out naturally into your family. Because mm-hmm. you're like, oh my, that, as my vibration starts changing and raising and I start clearing away the stuff that c- contributes to my unnecessary seriousness. I'm more fun to be around, I'm more pleasant, I'm more patient, I'm more grateful, I'm more lighthearted, and, I, it, and it ripples out to others. It's infectious. We're infectious. Yeah, <laughs> we re- yeah it, it absolutely is. Uh, and, you know, and we can, it's so interesting to me because I, I know that when we talk about like energy and vibration and these like new agey kind of well, not kind of, definitely more like woo woo type of terms. Sometimes people are like, "Mm," you know, and and there's a little bit of like, uh, you know, not taking it as, uh, as having as much meaning and weight as it possibly can have in how our lives play out. And this just, you know, it blows my mind because we've all had the experience. I, I believe, I believe that we all have had the experience at some point in my life, in our lives, where we have walked into a room where two people have been fighting. Oh my God. Yep. 
you and come into the space when Christopher and I are like, we just we're not seeing eye to eye about something. And I feel like, oh, shit. Yes. Yeah. And, and then, you know, because decorum and politeness and and professionalism right that steps in everyone's like oh do 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 whatever nothing to see here everything's fine right and you're like mm, what the heck happened before I got here right either you say that and like elephant in the room exposed or you don't and you're like oh yeah. so I'm I just smell fart you smell that fart no we're not gonna talk about the fart smell okay and um you know, so that's energy that you're feeling that like the, the argument could even have been over for 15, 20 minutes and it's still kind of lingering in the space and you've walked into that energy. So I just, you know, remind people of that. And when we, if we can feel it when it's a fart cloud, we can also feel it when it's a bubble machine, you know, like we can also step in, you know, like I think about my second grade teacher's classroom. And it didn't matter what was happening anywhere else in that building. It didn't matter what happened on the bus. It didn't matter what happened in my house. I stepped into that teacher's classroom and it was like stepping into a bubble machine. It was like stepping in is the feeling that you get, uh, you know, at like your favorite part of a circus act or, or your favorite song on an album. Like it felt that light. And that beautiful to be in that space and energy. And it was her. She created that energetic space. And she walked around in that energetic space all the time. And at, at least when I saw her in my second grade brain. Um, and, and so just keeping in mind that when we talk about vibration and, and, and if you tend to be reticent or skeptical about feeling vibes of other people, just remember that you know damn well you've walked into a fart cloud of somebody's energy before. <laughs> so if you can feel it then, you can also feel it on the, the, on the other end. It, it's palpable. Yep, yep, we are infectious. Um, it's a fun exercise too. I love inviting students to interview people that they really know, they just love their energy. There are people that like, you just know, like I, I really just usually love being in your energy. Like tell me how you tend to yourself. Tell me like, like learn about how, what has that person, um, cleared? What is their pro what is their journey to their embodied expression of lightness of being then? Um, I love conversations like that with people. It's, it's just a gold mine. Um, and people love sharing like, you, like, oh my gosh, up to somebody and say, God, like, you know, do you mind my asking? I just, I notice I feel so uplifted in your presence and your energy, just something, something's happening here. What do you, you know, what's your secret? Like <laughs> people will, will, will tell you gems in the moment that are just perfect for you to hear too. Mm -hmm. People love sharing. People love sharing. If you have the thought of like, oh my God, I could never do that. Oh, trust me. You could, you could, okay. people love sharing. I mean, and I mean, on that exact subject and note, that, that teacher that I remember, Mrs. McLean was her name, by the way. Um, she had a piano in her classroom and she would come to work to school an hour early, probably even more, but she would play the piano in oh. her classroom before every single day. Wow. 
anything for the day. She didn't come in and go into like lesson planning. She didn't come in. I'm sure she was doing that at night at home. Um, When she arrived at school in the morning, she just played piano until we started to show up. So she, so the vibration of the music was coursing through her, filled the space, all of it. She, uh, she elevated herself through the experience of her enjoyment, through the vibration of the music, um, how, how brilliant and how responsible. Oh, I know. And so, you know, that brings me to the point, you know, cause like here we are in yoga farm community and we're talking about like, how do you tend to yourself? And, and it's understandable to go to that place of like, you know, we're, we mean, what is their yoga practice or how much do they meditate every day? And in the, you know, small box context of yoga and meditation, I, that's not what we're talking about. You know, you can tend to yourself every day by waking up and and going for a field walk before you do the next thing, or, um, you know, going and dipping your toes in the lake uh, once a day. And that's how you tend yourself. It doesn't have to be a hour long yoga practice, 25 minute meditation, sitting on a cushion, you know? So we just always like to clarify those things because that's not, that's a very narrow definition of, of self-care practices, um, tending to oneself, yoga and meditation. And, and we're looking at that broader, bigger picture of yoga and meditation being in all and, and many of the things that we do throughout the day. I love when you um, remind educators, for example, you know, about the value of taking 10 seconds, to, well, 20 seconds to go and wa- wash your hands under warm soapy water as a little as so so throughout the day when we bring conscious awareness to those micro moments those micro moments of of self-care and nourishment and pleasure or the example you give about getting a piece of gum right like just bringing you know awareness to the experience of that gum if it's for if it's for 11 seconds there's your micro enjoyment and you can work that you can you can pulse enjoyment you can pulse and expand the energy of enjoyment if you do it consciously I think of it as like sailing when you catch the wind with your sail you're doing it you're 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 monitoring where's the joy where's the wind right and you catch it and you work with it so that piece of gum as you're about to start class can carry you for the class. If you pulse it and work with it consciously, it can, it can. Yeah. Yeah. And it creates a, a disruption in whatever might be teetering on that weighty, heavy seriousness that might be coming in or, um, you know, watching your, watching sensations of frustration rising up or overwhelm rising up. And uh, when working with teachers and, and in schools and in classrooms, you know, there, there is this uh, sort of expectation overall that things will stay at that, like very serious, very cerebral, very thinking level, which can be exhausting. I mean, honestly, it's exhausting to be in the mental all the time. And so stepping out of that and into a a physiological experience, a sensory experience, even for 11 minutes is like, 
I just like took a deep breath and, and I changed the element balance in my body. That's also why I say, wash your hands, you know, get up, move the body, do something outside of what is, what is currently unfolding. And then a change in temperature, um, a change of adding in a different element of water and, uh, and using that as a moment to just like, okay, you know, what is, uh, as Daniela says all the time, what is the next kindest step for me uh, right now? And, and, and I think if we play with that as well, like what is the next kindest step? It, it does often connect us to enjoyment. It does often bring mm-hmm. us right into that al- alignment of like, oh, okay. This isn't as serious as I was, you know, determined on making it five or 10 minutes ago. Um, I'm also going to, I'm going to be a pooper here about something, another big, massive barrier, uh, that oftentimes shows up, especially in partnerships is like trying to hide a basketball under three shoelaces. So anything that is you're out of integrity with yourself or in your relationship or any issues, any, any basketballs under shoelaces, uh, that you're trying to hide, like you can't, in, you can't in, trying to invite in, let's do board games when uh, there's an intimacy issue mm-hmm. that has been ongoing and not tended to, or um, if there is, um, uh, if, if, if you're not paying taxes or there's like, there's, and you know, it, these major areas of our life and relationship where we're out of integrity with ourselves and our relationship, we're not being truthful with ourselves and our relationships, we're not dealing with it. Integrity is such a weight and it works in both directions. So anything out of order in our lives, in our relationships with ourselves and one another can't be band-aided with let's just go do more picnics. We have to tend to the shit we don't want to tend to because the, uh, the band-aids don't work. They just don't work. You have to really get in there. And sometimes it is valuable to bring uh, this, to bring in a third party, a skillful party that can help you. If you go with the intention of, look, we want to bring more enjoyment and playfulness and return to our natural, our lightness of being. We probably had, you probably had that when you started your relationship. So we can get back to it. And what's all the stuff that's in between? Hmm. Anything that's out of integrity, wherever we're not being truthful with ourselves and one another and trying to tiptoe around it, around issues, addiction, finances, intimacy, work. Uh, these, are, these are the biggies in relationship. And if we try them and band-aid them, mm-mm, mm-mm, doesn't work. Yeah, I read somewhere that sometimes the, you know, one of the greatest forms of self-care, you know, authentic, sustainable self-care, I'm not going to go on that tangent right now of that buzzword, um, that we can do is to tend to something that's looming, something that is kind of hanging overhead. You know, that like sometimes, yeah, balancing your checkbook, if people still do that, uh, or, um, you know, reconciling tax paperwork is a form of self-care because it relieves a level of that. So, so if there's this looming subject 
or, you know, something that doesn't feel good to be discussed, it's worth the investment of taking care of it so that you can deepen and experience a, another level of lightness of being. Yeah, it frees up. Feel the energy, right? When you, whether it's like, I remember um, at, at a certain point in my life when I was doing, like Christopher does all the white envelope mail currently. And there were other points in my life when I did white envelope mail. Hmm. That's like sending out monthly checks and payments and all those things. Um, the feeling of like, ah, this great exhale, because I was in integrity with my finances and organizations that I had agreements with. I had agreements with NYSEG. I send you this, you give me electricity. I have agreements with Verizon. I have agreements with Allstate Insurance. So when we honor our agreements or we have a conversation of where we want to change the agreement or where we want to own us stepped out of our agreement, those communications and they feel so good and they pile up when you stop tending to them they pile up in weight internally in energy they do and then we turn to habits patterns and addictions to change the way we feel because this tension in our body from out of integrity builds and you want relief so it makes sense yeah yeah and you know, and sometimes that can lead us to uh, conversations in relationship where, you know, you do say things like, hey, you know, like, um, I just keep running with the white male example. <laughs> I don't want to be the one that sits down all the time and, and has to do this. Like it, it, it feels like too much right now. I'm not saying that I don't want to do it ever again and I need a break or I would like to do it together or I would like some help. So it also gives you an opportunity to really sit with like, where am I building resentment about something that I'm thinking I have to do? Because if I don't do it, then no one's going to do it. And instead of, you know, having that kind of victimy mindset, stepping into like, hey, like, can we chat about where things are divided in this? You know, and the same thing can be said about housework, can be said about errands, can be said about, you know, taxiing children or uh, buying birthday presents when you have to go do things like any of those partnership type of things that might have like, you know, you could you could say, oh, well, this is just all the way that we've always done it. Like we've always split it up this way. Well, we're always changing. We're always, yeah. you know, life is changing. Work is changing. Our um, energy levels are changing. So it doesn't mean this is forever. And actually I'm willing to do it for this length of time, or let's yeah. talk about how we can do this in a different way. Cause this isn't working for me anymore. Are important conversations to have. And you can bring fun and lightheartedness to those conversations, right? Like Christopher notoriously does what I'll call anything that's drippy, smelly. <laughs> yeah. He does like anything that's drippy smelly because if that stuff doesn't bother him right baby doesn't bother me. yeah literally like I remember when I was moving from my from uh James Street up to uh the farm with him and there were these garbage cans that just were my responsibility to take care of and that was just not happening I remember like <laughs> 
you were, I so didn't want to deal with them. Get this, get this. This is what I would go to the length I went to avoid dealing with the garbage can. There was an alarm clock, like, a, no, a smoke detector. Do you remember the smoke detector in the garbage can bed? No. Outside of my bedroom window, the battery was evidently going out. And you know how it beeps a warning constantly? Or it chirps. No, it chirps. Chirps. Every, like, minute. You're saying. And we Yep, we would sit there and like, that would be our meditation spot. And I was like, no, no, I'm just going to weave the chirping into my meditation. I'm, uh -uh, I'm not touching those garbage cans. And he did the drippy garbage cans. And joyfully, there was no commentary about the drippy garbage cans. There was no nothing. He just did the drippy garbage cans. So, <laughs> so bringing uh, an element of playfulness to like, what are your agreements and, and the language you use. And okay, and nobody wants to deal with the drippy garbage can. Okay, how do we deal with it together? Right. What's our strategy? <laughs> What's the game plan? Yeah. <laughs> then it's not an argument that you're having at each other. It's a problem that you're solving together. It's it's a and and problem is dramatic. You know, like, <laughs> like drippy garbage cans isn't an epic problem, but there's a there's a solving something here. And we can either, I can be like, you, you do the thing. No, you do the thing. Or I always do the thing. Or you'd be like, okay, can we just come together and have a plan about how the thing is going to get done? Because then it's us figuring out the thing. You know, it, it's different than being at each other about that thing. And I love that about you and Matt. That's always your, your, your approach to everything is the mutual victory. It's like that you just, that you find your your strategy together you really listen to one another and really just you just have a beautiful beautiful way together um and you, as we're saying this <laughs> it just started torrentially downpouring outside okay so we have this gazebo thing that has furniture in it and you don't want the furniture to get wet like it's not a big deal if it does and it's not ideal so what is he doing right now? He is running around outside collecting the things that might get wet. And he just came up to the back door where I could see him. And we're having this conversation. He's drenched. And he just goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> fun. <laughs> because, you know, life does lifing and and how we roll with it and, and have that and bring that lightness in. And, you know, for us, mutual victory always means that we're on the same team. It always means that we're on the same side, that it isn't like, that there isn't any amount of coming at one another about something that like your victory is my victory. Your enjoyment is my enjoyment, your stress can also be my stress. And, and in deep relationship, that isn't a burden. That's like, this freaking coffee table is heavy. How about we both move it rather than I try to move it and hurt my back, you know? <laughs>